Back by popular demand, the pond's yeah. in the house. How are you? I'm really good, thanks, you. Just done a leg workout. How was that? It was really good. Yeah, really good. It's, uh, what, what month are we in? It's the end of October, so I'm sort of doing the winter training, really. Okay. Which, um... What are you building towards? Well, um, I've just bought a house, mm -hmm. which, as you know, is very, uh, it's very absorbing, you know, buying a house. Um, takes a lot of energy in terms of, you know... And also, I was, I was buying an old house, so it had, had a lot of issues. And a lot people, of character. A lot of character. So uh, a lot of people told me not to buy it, so I had to have lots of surveys and stuff. Anyway, the point is, I didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of training over the last six months. Um, so I feel quite excited about the winter, getting fit and getting strong. And as you know, I run and cycle. Mm -hmm. and run and cycle and run. Run and cycle and run, and yeah. so yeah, do duathlons sometimes. And um, so I'm sort of thinking about uh, doing some more half marathons next year. Okay. Maybe aiming towards a sub one thirty half. That would be really nice. That'd be really nice. I've got like a five k PB. I'd like to beat. Um, and does that all fit alongside like? it builds into the duathlon season or how would you do that now yeah so the duathlon season is um kind of spring and autumn um like it during the summer is more the triathlon um and i just don't have time for swimming as well as running mm -hmm. and cycling so i don't do triathlons um so yeah that you qualify if you want to do a gb um age group um uh, duathlon you have to qualify the year previous so I'm I didn't qualify for the 2020 so if I wanted to do 2021 you've got to uh, do now you've got to do it either qualify in the spring or the autumn for the following year okay so they're quite it's not easy because you, you sort of train towards a, a particular race say that's in April uh, and then you get the downtime through the summer and then you have to get up again in the autumn which mm. is when the world or the Europeans might be so uh yeah so it's it's sort of up and down but i'm not really to be honest to you i'm not i'm not taking it quite so seriously these days really i kind of just want to beat my own goals and maybe i'll do another draft or maybe i won't mm -hmm. i don't know you don't want to get to a point i think where there's two opposite ends of the scale in there where you're completely worn out of doing them mm -hmm. and you've had enough mm -hmm. but you also don't want to get to the point where you go oh, I wish I'd done just this race or just that season or whatever. Yeah. And, and also, this might sound really... I don't know, maybe I should keep this to myself. But really, or tell everybody. That's or fine. tell everybody. I do it because I really like travelling. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and they... And, I like that. And they can be in really great countries. As you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn Spanish. Yep. Um, and... Uh, so I like going to Spain because yeah. I can practice my Spanish and so yeah if they're in Spain then I'm much more excited that, to, to actually take part in the in the championships um, but they didn't release where they were going to be in 2020 until the day before oh wow the day before the qualifier wow and I found out it's in southern Spain and I'm oh. like oh how do you say I'm That's gutted in Spanish? I don't know. I'm not that good. <laughs> you, would, you would have known. <laughs> I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where, where did you go last time? 
I forget. I went to Soria, which is uh, so kind of um, east of Madrid, kind of quite far. It, it's beautiful. It was in the mountains. But mm. I flew into Bilbao and then travelled through the mountains to Soria, and then I went travelled again by bus down through to Valencia. I had a really lovely... That was such a nice... I remember you trip. telling me about, like, typically... I'm, this will paint a picture. Typically, people will go to these things, they'll kind of go, right, we've got this sort of brochure or pack... <laughs> These are the hot spots. These are the places to stay. There's the hotels close by. Where did you stay, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> I, I stayed in an Airbnb, which uh, which was so nice. But the woman that, that I stayed with, she didn't realise because I was quite organised that year, and I booked my Airbnb well in advance of the race. And then she must have realised that there was this massive race coming. Because <laughs> all these people were like trying to book, and it was so cool. And I didn't. I don't really love staying with the team because. It just makes me really nervous because mm. you're just surrounded by people that all they want to talk to you about is like their training or their like which which um, which ratio are you going with with your pedals and your and I'm like what oh, carb gel do you use? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to talk about this. So yeah. I I just kind of want to stay with the locals. And she was great. She would like cook me all this crazy food, and it was just really really nice. Remember <laughs> the stories from that trip? <laughs> just sat mouth wide open like. <laughs> can't believe this is what you did when you had your... But, but the really, really, the absolute peach of the story was that the team, uh, the Team GB hotel was like an hour away yeah. from the race start. And um, would you believe it snowed? Like in Spain, I'm in Spain and it snowed the day of the race. So it was freezing and you like, you have to rack your bike and then you have to make your way down to the start line. And and, um, and I was like happy as because my, the, my Airbnb was in a block of flats right in the in the square where the start and the finish that's was. outstanding I was like yes result <laughs> extra, extra hour in bed and I oh, know yeah. I'm going to start the race yeah, yeah how did that one go I can't remember how that one went uh, that one um, <laughs> oh, the weather was uh, weather was so so bad and uh, and it, I didn't realise I didn't do my research very well it was really high altitude so we're well, not really high but it was kind of higher than Swindon and um, <laughs> and um, so yeah the run I was really tired at the end of the run and then I got onto the bike and then they sent us up into this mountain um, and we had to do this loop up this mountain and down again and then as we were hurtling down the mountain we had this crosswind and there was all these ambulances lining the side of the blimmin of the course and like some people were just falling off like people were like if you had a disc wheel so mm-hmm. it, like a, a wheel without any spokes so it's just a solid wheel and you know get caught on a side wind with yeah. one of those and and i i just thought you know if i break my pelvis or something i'm done for so i i actually i did i carried I, I you know i did the race but i didn't tuck down into like an aero position when I was going down. I'm sorry, I, I chickened out. I stayed up a little bit because like 45, 45 miles an hour down with a side wind. Yeah. No, thank you. Probably not the best idea. So I came seventh. Okay. Was, Good day. Respectable. Yeah, respectable. Yeah. How do you um, how do you kind of mitigate that risk? Um, I mean, you cycle to work most days as well. So like, you're on the bike. You're in traffic all the time. Do you, does it ever enter your head? You just said about breaking your pelvis. You, your body is your job. You work in this industry. It's something that I come across all the time. You think I recently I had my ankle sprain, and if that was a broken leg, that's a different story for me traveling around doing the job I do. So how do you kind of weigh that up? Um, 
I <laughs> I have a little saying in my head, which is, uh, yeah, don't do something which is crazy and stupid, like or dangerous and stupid. Like if it's dangerous, like cycling to work, a lot of my family and my friends are like, God, oh, Claire, I wish you didn't cycle to work. Mm. I I think it. I think the benefits outweigh the risks. Yep. And to be fair, I'm not cycling to work at the moment because I live too far away. But and I bought a car. But anyway, <laughs> we can edit that out. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Keep up appearances here, but uh, but I will I will be cycling to work again soon. Um, the 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 point is is that I actually um, yeah it's like, it's just weighing up the risk. Like I love cycling and I choose my roads as carefully as possible. So I don't I try not to go on roads which are crazy busy. And actually, Swindon is really really good for cycling, and it's something I'm I really try and promote in Swindon and. And talk about as much as I can because I don't think people realise just how good it is the mm. cycle paths in Swindon. And I think one of the reasons for that is that the cycle paths are actually completely off the road. You go, to, you cycle in somewhere like Bristol. You're driving along the cycle paths on the side, isn't it? It's like yeah. the green thing. Well, in Swindon, we don't have a lot of those. The, the cycle paths are actually out, like they're and like the they're in amongst it. yeah, they're yeah. in amongst like the the houses and stuff. So it it is actually really really good for cycling. So yeah, I I think that's I, I think you just got to, in, in anything in life, you've got to weigh up the pros and cons, haven't you? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I've got good insurance yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I probably wouldn't do it if I didn't have the insurance because, like you said, if I broke my leg or then couldn't work for a month or two, you know, how do you pay your mortgage, etc. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this is stuff that, again, we talk about, you know, on on the business part of the courses and stuff we do based on the fact that, You've got to be prepared for that because if you did have a catastrophic sort of accident where it was a six or nine month recovery, what, what do you do now? And I suppose a similar question comes up with most careers. Like if you most people travel to work, so but they would largely be able to be signed off and, and whatever from work for that period of time. Whereas if you work for yourself, it's different. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, it's always a question that comes up. But yeah, you got to weigh up those risks. And and also, Stuart, the other thing I really want to try and get across to people is cycling's not that dangerous mm-hmm. and I think that possibly a driver might have that sort of or maybe I'm maybe I'm fooling myself but I, I really don't think it is as dangerous as people think if you choose your roads correctly yeah like I think if you choose a road which is very fast and windy so it's a 60 limit and you know it's and, and locals use it and yeah you know obviously you're super super vulnerable but I think, yeah, if you choose your roads well... You probably drive, uh, cycle around with way more awareness as well because you're, you're diligently looking for risk. Yeah. In a car, I think you can get lulled into a false sense of security a little to- bit. Totally do. And, and it's so comfortable that it's absolutely. easy to kind of just mind wonders and whatever. It's very easy for that to happen. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, now I'm driving to work. I Honestly, I, I feel like I was so much safer. And again... Like, it might just be me fooling myself, but I, I really don't think so. Like, that A419, oh, my God. Mm. Like, what is that all about? <laughs> you have people flying down there. They're flying down there. Mm-hmm. And also, like, they're not letting you out on the slip road, yeah. and they're just like, hey, like, what? Like, what? Some of those slip roads are about five feet long as well. <laughs> they're so short. And yeah. poor people, like, park. There was a guy put them on this morning parked right down the end of it, and you're like, then he's got to get up to speed, yeah. and everybody else is going at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> Oh come on! No, get on your bikes. I've just got back from Copenhagen. It's it's absolutely it's just the best place. I just loved it. Yeah. Like everybody's got a bike, 
and nobody really locks up their bike or they, they do this self-locking thing so they just put that thing through the spokes yeah. and it wouldn't be any good no. and um uh, yeah, but like if you've got a bike and I've got a bike, then there's no point in me nicking your bike. And yeah. your bike's kind of like my bike, so... Yeah. And so every, nobody's locking them up. That's I, so good. It's so good. Sometimes I wonder, like say I live to like I'm 90, right? Sometimes I wonder how much time of my life have I spent worrying and sorting, locking my bike up. Like, you yeah. know, finding the right place, like finding the right lock. Oh, God, I forgot the key. I've got to go back. Yeah. Wouldn't it be lovely if yeah. you could just leave just it? Just park it up and leave it. And, like, nobody, it would be there when I when I got back. Like, why? Why, you know? How was Copenhagen? It was, it was great. I just, I just loved that. I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? When you go on holiday, everything's just great, isn't yes. it? So, so yes, yeah. completely skewed. Yeah. So it, let's just let's just put that as the header. Yeah. But it it was also there was something oh, I don't know, Stu. There's there was it was just it was great because like I saw three homeless people, right, and they just looked like they were having a bad day. You know, like it, it was like what I mean by that is like this. It, Something's going on in this country right now, mm. and there's just you know there's probably three just in Fleming Way right now. Do you know mm. what I mean? Just in a local road in Swindon, and it, and you just think, what what's happened? What's what's going on? Why is why are the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer? What why are we getting this big gap? And what I really felt there, and again, you know, could have just been because I was on holiday, but the, you know, taxes are higher mm-hmm. and. There's just more of a sense of um, we're all in this together. There yeah. was more of a sense of that. I can't help but feel there's a little bit of like, no, this is mine, in, yeah. you know, going on over here, particularly at the moment. And yeah, I I I I liked that feeling. And you know, they start work a little bit later, they finish a little bit earlier, um, you know. Right. And then education is really good. You know, I want I want kids to be well educated. I. I believe in paying taxes. I want to pay taxes, and I want I want those services to be good. And I, and I think, yeah, I wouldn't that be nice? Mm. You know, the, it's, uh, the more I think, the more accessible the world becomes to us. Like there is, if you think about foreign travel, like my, my parents would say, "Oh, the first time I went on a plane when I was twenty eight years old," and now it's not like that at all. Um, you know, people are people are traveling all over the place. And it's more accessible, and it's probably cheaper in the, you know, in retrospect. But with that, you get exposure to other cultures, and some things just really hit home. I think to you, like um, when I go to Italy, um, you know, at the Technogym offices there or whatever. I like the idea that of how they like they will they will do their full day's work, but they'll kind of come in sometime between eight and nine, leave between five and six probably. Um, they are enforced of a two-hour lunch break. So at that office, I don't think this is all of Italy. I have no idea. But in that office, they in their contract, like whether it's being strictly looked at or not, in the contract, they have to have that two-hour lunch break because it gives them an opportunity to go and exercise with their colleagues. Mm-hmm. So three days a week, they're supposed to go and exercise at the office gym, which is an unbelievable gym. So they're supposed to go and join classes or go and play basketball outside or go for a, a mile-long running track. And people would just dive in with each other and go for a run, whoever's at that time at the start line, off we go. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we, we might do eight till six, 
but not look up from the desk. And that seems yeah. to be the attitude. Like, we're just more, more, more. I've got to work harder and harder. Yeah. And there's, when you actually do look up from your desk, I think you start to, like I always, I, I say this, we actually spoke weirdly enough about this the other day, that when you do take a little bit of time away, you actually come back to it with fresh eyes, you're looking at it a different way. The problems that you were having at work that day that you couldn't solve are easier to solve. Mm-hmm. And that rest and recuperation and a little bit of downtime and a change in mentality are vital yeah. for success. Yeah. And what we spoke about was the fact that that there are a number of people that would just be like, oh, defining success by how many physical hours am I out of the house working per day? Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I'm questioning that concept mm-hmm. at the moment quite a lot. Yeah. Because um, wouldn't it suggest that if you were covering everything you need to cover and doing everything you need to do within half of that time, then that's more successful? Yeah. That would be the argument, right? Yeah, sure. And and I think it relates to training as well. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely, Sue. And uh, yeah, just just one more point about Copenhagen go on. before we go. Of course, let go. <laughs> well, I did the I did the boat tour, right? Which is a great idea if ever you go to Copenhagen. Um, and while you're out on sort of the the waterway, um, on on the right hand side, they had this massive kind of it was an incinerator. The guy, you know, it was one of those tours where they're telling you what's what. And, and it had this little chimney coming out of it. And he said, oh, this is Copenhagen's um, incinerator. We don't produce enough waste here um, to because it can, it can burn and it can like get rid of X amount. I don't know. He mentioned how much. But we don't produce enough waste here. So we import it from Germany and from the UK. Uh, and, and they're burning some of our waste and some of Germany's waste. And what, but what I loved about this as well is that on the side, the other side of the building, was a, it had a ski slope, right? <laughs> and I, I want to go to Copenhagen. Do you know what I loved about that? Because I think that, I think it's so important to incorporate those two things. Yeah. Like, if we can incorporate, I mean, I know this is sort of, might be a bit of a crazy thing to say, but incorporating, like, what we do with the thing that we throw away. I don't know about you, but, you know, when you throw something in the bin, it's like, it's somebody else's problem. Yeah. You know, I don't want that. I'll throw it away. Yeah. But, like, they're incorporating, like, a leisure activity yeah. into, like, the waste disposal. That's it. That's, 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 that's great, yeah. That's genius because it makes you think about, you know, what's happening with stuff. And, yeah. And, I, I, yeah, I love that. And there's also a climbing wall, apparently, on the other side. Really? Yeah. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Just, the fact design that... was just, you know, they're kind of known for it, I guess. Yeah. They're Danish, so yeah. known for sort of... Clever design. But what you just said there as well about the fact that they would take other people's waste. Mm. That's the attitude, again, that we're looking for. Yeah. Like, well, that's okay. It's all of our problem. Yeah. So let's chip in. Well, that's it, yeah. And I think... Um, you know, might, the year might be wrong, but I, I think they're trying to be the first capital city to be zero carbon in like 2025, or right. or there is some year that they're going for. Interesting. But yeah, so that's that's fantastic. I think that's. Yeah, I'm glad great. you went back to that. It's, it's a great. It's a, it's a great. It was a real eye opener. Yeah. I really enjoyed being there. Did you go to the slopes? No, I didn't. You didn't. No, I was only there two days. Two days. That's fair. So yeah, it's. I mean, I think we can get a lot just from going away and seeing these things and kind of going. Actually, I quite like that attitude or that yeah. way of looking at things. And yeah. um, you could be blinkered. Mm-hmm. I think otherwise, if you're just staying in your bubble. Yeah, travel is very enriching, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, talk, just talking about sort of training hard. I think as as 
one gets older as well, I think you do, it's, you know, more important to train smart. Mm. And um, it's something that I've thought a lot about is, um, yeah, not, not just training for training's sake um, or, you know, following just, just a plan like a generic triathlon plan or duathlon plan or running plan or something, but training specifically for, for, for you and making that as smart as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think it does become much more important the older the older you get. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I because th- I think you have um, you have you probably have less time mm-hmm. um, as you get busier and you get more responsibilities and so on. Um, you certainly have less less expendable energy, I would say, um, in terms of you know in in terms of I think being able to recover from things as well. Um, so being able to just go, well, I'll, I'll wait until the morning and I'll be able to train again, no problem. Yeah. Actually, you're probably quite stiff or tired or whatever from the last session. So um, it's something that actually we've talked about quite a bit, but being able to, to go, actually, do I need to have six sets of whatever exercise at the end of my overall leg session? Have I got to do another whatever amount of walking lunges? Or have I done the job? Have I done what I yeah. need to do? Yeah, yeah. And is it targeted to what I'm trying to achieve? Um, I'm a big believer that, that personally that you have to be pushing towards something you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yet, training for training's sake is, is more popular now than ever, um, I would say, with, yeah. with um, probably with things like, I guess, CrossFit and all the derivatives of that, um, yeah. the class-based things that, that have sort of spawned off of that. Um, you go in and training is a sport of itself, which is great <laughs> because people are moving around, they're doing exercise, so yeah. they're healthier. Um, Personally, I like to know that I'm I'm pushing towards something, and it always varies. Like basketball season comes around, the six weeks before that is very much focused on getting ready for that. You'll be the same with duathlon. Um, I actually, re- weirdly enough, really really enjoyed the rehab side of the ankle stuff. I told you about this. Um, so obviously, injuries you don't want. Um, you certainly don't want a basketball-related injury with to an ankle. That's never yeah. going to be good. Um, yet. The, the six, seven week process after that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I was never, I, I was so motivated to come in and get that right, yeah. ready for the start of the season. Yeah, and it, it's something that what Kevin and I try and put across to people when they, they come to us with an injury is that, yes, it sucks. First yeah. of all, that's the first thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's rubbish to be injured. Secondly, it is an opportunity. Yeah. It is an opportunity for you to say you've got an ankle injury. It's an opportunity for you to really get strong in your upper body, get get a really good strong core. You know, like sometimes it can be a little bit. You know, I'm a I'm a runner, so you know you get a bit like, oh, I need to get strong in my legs, or mm-hmm. I need to get my endurance more, and then. But if you can't run for whatever reason, it yeah, it gives you that opportunity to work on your core, work on your glutes, work on all those others. So yeah, it, seeing it, seeing an injury as an opportunity in that way, and also it's um, you, you get the benefits of, um, of getting to know your body a mm. lot a lot more, which is you know invaluable, isn't it? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So um, yeah, seeing seeing it as a as that opportunity, I think is really important, but is is very difficult. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> got good perspective. You've got to get you've got to get over the initial thing, which is like. <laughs> Yeah. But I think, I think it comes into this idea that what we were talking about the other day is um, that in, within the health and fitness industry, if you if you're working with people who are trying to lose weight, it it often becomes 
um, like wine and donuts and fine dining is all yummy and good. That's on the good side, okay? And then on the other side, we've got running machines and gym work. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you, if you do the good, if you do the yummy ones, then you have to do, like, do your time. Yeah, yeah. And that's your punishment, yeah. okay? Because you've had the treat, you've got to have the punishment. And I see this probably every single day, as, yeah. as you do. And another thing what I really try and get across within personal training is that, like, there is no such thing as bad food. Mm. And I think that this is, this is the thing that a lot of um, diets, uh, I don't really want to name any because no. I don't really know much about any of them. So, but I think a lot of diets, sort of, you know, they call things sins, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. So a beer is, I don't know, X number of sins. What the heck? Yeah. What the heck? Why is it biblical? Why? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it, well, it kind of does. It falls into that sort of Catholic thing, yeah. doesn't it? But it's just, yeah, like, why Why is a beer a sin? I like beer. Mm. Like, I don't I don't sit there and drink a beer and think, oh, I shouldn't be drinking this. Yeah. Sit, drink a beer and enjoy it, right? Yeah. But just think of, think of it in terms of... Um, it doesn't mean that you then have to do your time in the gym and that's that's your punishment. It's going to offset that. Because I think you then end up on this weird wheel thing of like, oh, I deserve this. And then you and then you have to work really hard in the gym because you really ate badly. Yeah. Or, uh, but, but what? Like, no. Just... just if, you, if you can find... I think people's relationship with both is a bit squiffy yeah. at times. Like the, the relationship with food is not just, right, I'm, I'm fueling not only my body nutritionally, um, because a donut can quite quite comfortably satisfy me mentally as well, the fact that that was really tasty, you mm. know, and I haven't had that for a while, and it was just what I needed. Yeah. And there's a lot of value to that, I mm. think. Um, and it also shows you that you don't have to be on the, even if you are on a diet, or you are on a, I would say, on a weight loss journey, mm-hmm. you, you haven't got to be constantly punishing yourself and taking away all the things that you like. No. You can do that, just don't do it quite so frequently. Yeah. Because it will have, it doesn't carry massive amounts of nutritional value for you. Exactly. But it's it's yeah. not a bad thing to have. It's the same constituents as most other types of foods. It's just in different proportions, right? Mm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we we can, and I think trainers have a lot to, to answer oh. for in this. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can easily portray an image of being holier than thou and yeah. body as a temple and we never do anything wrong and all wrong again quotes um in 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 our in in the in the way we're looking at it doing bad and good so we can easily put that onto our clients Mm -hmm. and you know i think if you were to take a step back when your client says i had a really i had a bad weekend Mm -hmm. and i had a pizza and i had this and i have that and then you kind of screw your face up and go, oh, I can't believe you did that. Then what does that make them feel like? I know. It's not insurmountable. You're just, you're just adding to this, yeah. onto, onto this wheel. And so what, it's, it's something that I really try and put across to people because the, the other thing I feel like these diets don't do, and there is probably a big reason why they don't do this, is educate. Mm-hmm. So if you say to somebody, oh, well, you're allowed X number of sins a day, mm-hmm. it's totally um, unrealistic because I don't know about you Stuart but it's like through the week um, I don't go out very much and then Friday Saturday Sunday I'm much more likely to be out with friends or out with you know having a barbecue or in the in those opportunities where there's wine and beer and all that stuff yeah but they 
as far as I know, anyway, they put you on diet, and it's all the same. It's the same Monday to through to Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's just totally, and, and to the point where I had a client this week who is at one of these things, and he asked, he asked the question, "Is it? Um, can I save? Can I save my calories? I mean, I think he said the word sins, but can I save them up? Yeah. For the weekend, and she was like, "No, no, no, you can't do that." Well, I, I it, so, this is, so I use like a bank bank balance analogy, right? Yeah. And if I say to you, okay, you can have a thousand pounds, I'm going to give you a thousand pounds for the week, Stu. Um, you ca- you're not going to get any more than that, just get on a thousand pounds. And you know, at the weekend, it's Tori's birthday, right? Mm-hmm. On Saturday. So you have to buy her a present, mm-hmm. right? So don't, don't go spending <laughs> all your money. Don't go yeah. spending all your money Monday to Wednesday, Monday to Thursday, because you're not going to buy Tori a very nice present, yeah. right? Yeah. On Saturday. So. Yeah, it does work like that. It does. And if you actually think about it, of course it works like that. Yeah. So over the course of a year, if you've only eaten, you know, say you were allowed X number of calories because of your age, you know, gender, um, height, whatever. Yeah. And if you've eaten fewer than that, then you're not going to put on. Yeah, you're in a deficit. You're, you're going to be in that yeah. deficit. Yeah. Don't make it complicated. Yeah. And, and I, I do you really, think they thrive on making it complicated so people are baffled by it, right? Of course they do. Of course they do. If you make something complicated, it's like so many things in life. If you demystify it, yeah. then it's um, then then it then becomes accessible, and then people can make their own decisions. Yeah. And it's again, it's something that I feel really strongly about when people come and see me in the clinic. It's like if I get them to understand why they what's going on with their ankle, why it's swollen how they can um, reduce the swelling. If they then understand, you know, what where their ligament is and which muscles then have to be strengthened. If, if you educate the person, mm. what, we, what we find in, in, in the industry I'm in is that the, the healing is, is going to be so much greater. Yeah. So it, it's about empowering the individual. It's why, you know, in physiotherapy and sports therapy, we, we're coming much further away from doing massage. Yeah. If somebody just, you know, lies on a couch and I massage them, they're completely passive, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So it's not very empowering. They don't, all they learn, what they learn is that Claire makes them better. Yeah. Well, that's great for Claire's bank balance, but I think that's unethical. Yeah. And I think that, uh, if I can get them stronger, if I can get them to feel empowered, then it will get them back in the gym, it will get them back on the basketball court, it will get them back running. Mm. And everyone's happy, you know, and my, I'm a little bit poorer. Yes, <laughs> save it up for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. But I think, weirdly enough, like we had this conversation, I had this conversation with you and Kev, um, for those that, that don't know, you know, Parnell Harper Clinic, um, and I shout it from the rooftops. Whenever anybody needs any help, it's always to you guys. Then you're over the, again over the course of that year. Your bank balance will be topped up by new people that the other people that are happy with your service will will inevitably be promoted. Yeah. Um, if you are constantly, well, I'll, I'll kind of fix it fifty yeah. percent. You know when they're going to come back to me. That's a terrible service. You wouldn't expect that out of a garage. You wouldn't expect it out of whatever. So why would that happen in the in, in this industry? Yeah. Um, the, I think the difference with the personal training side is that people's goals will morph and shift as you go along. So you can have yeah. clients for ten years yeah. because the, even if it's just habit forming and they won't train without you, then okay, that is still ethical. Whereas what you're saying is it is, it is different. Is. Although I would say, you know, some of my 
greatest successes, if ever I, if I could say that, and from a personal training perspective, are people that have gone on to become cyclists mm. or confident enough to cycle to work and you know no longer need to come and see me on a weekly basis. Yeah. I always think, yeah, I've done a really done a good, good job, job. there. You know. I think your your client base is, is really interesting and it's it's so varied um, and it's like I would say and it's again it's something that I say to people all the time is make sure you try and find your lane instead of just saying I can do everything because you can't yeah. a you can't really do everything um, but I would say straight away if I had to put myself in a couple of personal training boxes it's athletic development it's you know it's those sorts of those sorts of things. This critical eye on technique. It's that sort of thing that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what gets me excited about training people. Mm-hmm. With with you, it's, it's it's a completely different story. It's 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 about function and um, and use of different parts of the body and rehabbing those areas and trying to get to the bottom of what the cause and the root cause is. And I wouldn't even think about stepping on your toes in that way no. because I know it's not a it's not for me. It's not my bag, but b. You're going to do a hell of a, a hell of a job doing it. Why would I step on that if I'm not that interested in it? Yeah. So, absolutely. but we do it's, it all the time. We see it all like the time. It's like somebody asking me, "Can you help me bulk up?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you fifty kilos? Yeah. <laughs> like just physically, like I wouldn't be like, "I'd be on the bench press." Yeah. They go in trouble. I'd be like, um, "Hang on, I'll just get stewed." Yeah, just get someone over. <laughs> it's, but it's, I think you have to have passion for that certain thing. But with your um, with your client base. It's always very interesting to me to see, you know, the issues that they might face or whatever. And of course, being in and around the gym together quite a lot, I get to know them. They get to know me, and they do talk about what's going on. But the, some of the stuff that you face day to day, be it complete muscle ruptures and whatever, and you've got to refix that re attack. Well, after the reattach, you've got to fix this person up again, mm-hmm. um, or this person was told they're never going to walk again or whatever, and here they are, lo and behold, doing box jumps with you. <laughs> It's just phenomenal, like to see that sort of stuff. It's brilliant. I love it. It's yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. Do you ever get a day where you kind of go, oh, "That was a bit boring"? <laughs> Never. No. I wake up in the morning and I'm always really happy to be going to work. I love it. Just yeah. love my job. And I think, yeah, kind of the more complicated, the better, really, yeah. in a way, in a way. And I like a challenge, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And um, actually, one of my a lovely client, um, uh, he said to me the other day. Uh, we we are getting somewhere. He's he's had a few he's had a few like um, shoulder issues lately, but he had a severe uh, accident, car accident, when in back in the eighties. Uh, and he said to me, um, he said to me this week, "Well, you thought your uh, you thought your house was your project <laughs> because we you know it, it's just very it's, the thing is when as you know with your ankle is that um, rehabilitation can be very intimate um, yeah. in." in um, like what am I trying to say? Like it, it works some days, and then some days it's oh, like yeah. go back. You intermittent. Go back, intermittent. That's yeah. the word. Thanks to you. How what you do in your clinic? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite intimate <laughs> as well. But yeah, no, it yeah, it, it really is up and down, and um, yeah, it, that's that can be very frustrating, as you yeah. know, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, well, mine was it certainly wasn't like 40 years on from a, you know, but I can speak to the fact that I'd have days where I'd speak to you and go, everything seems like it's perfect. And then the next day I'm going, oh, actually, it's really swollen again. And why is that happening and whatever? So I think it's, um, you've got a really, like I'm educated in this area and it still is, 
you know, although it was minor, the peaks and, and valleys of that injury were definitely there. Like the first time I went back to play, I said to you, you know, I, I didn't fully trust that I could go towards that ankle. I didn't, you know, I could quite happily go the other way, but I didn't. So I can go left. I couldn't really go right. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit awkward there and landing on it felt a little bit stiff in the back of the ankle. Why was that? And it's now since loosened right off and whatever, and it's much better. But um, I think that the kind of where you in your head you think you should be mm-hmm. against where you physically are. Like I would say mine was fairly quick recovery by, by virtue of how it looked when it first happened. Um, hence, like it was whatever, four times the size it, it is yeah. now. But it, it, still, um, it still kind of took me by surprise how you can't just speed that recovery up just because you're going to sleep well and eat well and whatever. It is going to take the time it takes. Yeah, and in, uh, banishing fears is a big part, I think, mm. of what, what I do. And, um, yeah, just getting, getting people, again, like what I was saying, like giving them, empowering them, giving them the confidence if that's what you feel that the person needs. And also, yeah, sometimes you have to just push the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, it might not go so well. So you just have to then, yeah. you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit from the rehab. And, um, yeah, and, and I think that's a big part of, of what, we're tr- what we're trying to do is, is that close, working closely with the client and just and being there for them. Yeah. Like, um, you know, if people do need to text us to out of hours, that's, you know, that's fine. We'll get back to them when we can. And, mm. um yeah, so it's sort of like I kind of described it once with Kev about like you kind of hold the client while yeah. they're while they're in that process. You kind of hold them, and then when they're ready to go, they they, they go and they don't need us anymore. Yeah. But um, while they're going through that, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to do with banishing fears. I think is a is a massive part. Of On that that point, I like I I called you. It was a Tuesday night at basketball training. And I called you about half past nine, mm. and you immediately picked the phone up. Like, what's going on Steve? And I was like, well, I've done this. And you're like, okay, that's okay. We'll figure that out. And so straight away, and then when I, I spoke to Kev about the the checks that you do for a broken bone mm-hmm. in that area. Otter, yeah. yeah, so Otto, so we did that. And he's, he said, don't come in, just we'll do this over the phone. Yeah. Um, and at this point, I couldn't put weight on the ankle. I was there, and, and a lot of that was me being nervous about it, thinking I might have broken this or whatever did those Ottawa rules tests and he was like, no, that's, it, you know, I haven't seen it, but that's not broken. Mm-hmm. And immediately the pain went from like a <laughs> eight to like a five. Yeah. So the, the, the fear, that was my biggest anxiety about it was what if I've got to have a cast on this mm-hmm. and I can't drive and I can't get to work and I can't this and I can't that. And that was my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. The second he said that, it just dissipated. Like I was like, okay, actually it's fine then. And the next thing was, you've got to move it, which is music to my ears. So I was like, this is stuff I can control. I can get into this. Um, and every single step of the way, it's like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And it's always been a case of, yeah, that's fine. That's perfectly normal. That's to be expected. Um, and the next step, you're probably going to feel this. This might feel a bit, your bruising is going to come out there because of this and this. Um, it was because two of the bones are going to have impacted each other. So that's going to be very colorful, yet not that painful. Okay, no problem. And exactly that on the inside, in step of the foot was where a lot of the bruising was. So I think it's so valuable to have someone that you know and trust mm-hmm. and can kind of, like you just said, hold your hand through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and your reaction, same as we, we talked about the diets, mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. And not, oh my God, I can't believe you've had a pizza. <laughs> it's, if you'd have gone, oh, well, that sounds terrible to you, they might have to amputate that. Then I'd have been like, fear. Yeah. Yet, 
you know, with that response, it was, yeah, okay, it's okay. We can fix that. Yeah. And it was straight away, it was okay. Yeah, no, it, the importance of, of all that stuff, uh, um, I think, I think is, is really should not be overlooked. And uh, obviously I flew to Copenhagen and when we flew back, there was quite a lot of turbulence. And I don't know about you, I don't love it. Not like, great. I don't love turbulence. And um, I looked at the, um, uh, the stewards, what are they called? The uh, attendants, attendants, flight attendants. Flight attendants. You know, and it's the same thing, right? Yeah. If they were sitting there going, oh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're going to worry. We're going to worry, aren't we? But they just look like, you know... And they're, they're still serving. They're, probably they're taught that, you yeah. know? Probably that's part of the training. But, you know, it's a similar deal, isn't yeah. it? You know? yeah. It has to be. It has to be. It's, that's funny. But it's, uh, it is true. I think that you just need to have a little bit of... Uh, of uh, that's, that sympathy and empathy mm. at the beginning is so important for people. Like, yeah. it's... I'm, um, I'm really interested in pain, really. Yeah. And uh, next... June, I'm going on a course um, about about pain and how to talk about pain, and um, you know, because obviously it's very it's very difficult to say to someone that it's possibly in their head, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> as soon as you say that to someone, it sounds like you're not listening. Oh, it's all in your head. Yeah. But really, Stu, what you've just said to me is that you know, as soon as Kev said it was wasn't broken, yeah. you you said your words were immediately my my ankle felt better did and so what where was the pain really yeah exactly yeah and that the strength of that i mean i haven't done the course yet but it's like you know the the power of that that's so that is unbelievably powerful and what what um we're finding like researchers are looking a lot more into is placebos and i went on a, a talk um about placebos uh two years ago I think the woman was called Dr. Jo Marchant. It was really, really interesting. I, I can't remember what the name of her book was, um, but she, she'd done some research on placebos and that even when you tell, uh, tell the, the subject, tell the person who's you know, part of the clinical trial, that what, you, what they're being given is a placebo. Yeah. So you've got a headache. I'm giving you something. Stu, this is a placebo. It still had um, a statistical improvement on your... On the, on the subjects. Wow. So, so they, they, I think, I mean, this is massive, right? Is that even when you tell someone it's yeah. placebo, it still has an effect. So, so why, right? So I, I asked her that question. I said, you know, why, why do you think this is? Because that, that's huge, you mm. know. Because you imagine all, all the money we could save, like yeah. in medicine. Yeah, you walk around with a packet of Tic Tacs yeah, and it'll because, be fine. Because all, because obviously we can't do it without them knowing because yeah. that would be unethical. Yeah. But if we could tell them, yeah. then surely that's that's ethical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and she said, it's it's the quality of care, but okay. potentially. She the said, fact that someone's taking the interest yeah, in it. The yeah, the first thing she said is, we don't know. But the second, second thing she said to me was, um, it, it's probably what we think it is, is the quality of care. And that was that was massive for me to hear that, because I just thought, okay, well, if we can get that right, you know, if I can get that right, or we can get that right, me and Kev at, at Parnell Harper, if we can get the quality of care there, surely we're half halfway yeah. there, you yeah. know. Um, and, and so, if if we, you know, listening is a big part. You know, if you sit there and you listen to the person, and then talking to you about their pain and how they're feeling. That's a huge part of healing. Mm, yeah, that, you know, exploring it is massive. Yeah. What what obligation or what um, I guess 
what boundaries do you have with, with that? Because Kev could, you could have said to me on the phone, actually, that doesn't sound that bad, knowing in your head, hmm, I don't know that it's not that bad. Well, yeah, you don't lie. Yeah, that's, no, what, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's, um, that's got to be a bit of a grey area. Well, I, I don't think so, because Kev went through the, the rules with you. Mm. You did them on, on yourself. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it, he was completely within his right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think... I suppose then the next, the next step from that, if it was a, a particular problem, there was a broken bone in the ankle, then he would, did the right thing. The next step would be, in terms of customer and client care, would be... When you're back from this, this is our timetable, this is our schedule, this is how we're going to fix it. And that would be replacing the, um, that would be taking away the, the pain and fear and anxiety for me as a, as a, as a subject based on the fact that um, I now know I'm still looked after regardless of it wasn't the result I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, um, I'm trying to get to there is, is honesty is obviously very important, but you still have that, that level of, this is all okay. We'll be okay with this. Yeah. And, 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 and still feeding that in is still going to be a, an important aspect. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, going back to your analogy with the pizza, it's like if somebody says to you they ate a pizza at the weekend, it's like instead of, you know, having a go at them for that, mm. it's like, okay, well, you like pizza at the weekend. Let's work that into your week. Yeah. Just like what I'm saying in terms of the... Thousand pounds. The, the thousand pounds over the week. Let, you know, and that's why I think these diets you know, are just unrealistic yeah. and going to keep you on that wheel because, they, you know, people are going to eat pizza at the yeah, weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about not having a go at somebody, um, certainly not lying. Like, yeah. you know, I, that's, that's not cool in any way. But um, so, so working, working around the problem. Yeah. I think it, it is interesting. We said about a lack of education when they go to these, to these whatever the diet is or but obviously there's a narrative, a selling a narrative. So there's education around what this diet is, but it's obviously very skewed. Now, there's not going to be education around, well, listen, this, I hear from a lot, I, you know, you, you talk to trainers and a lot of it is, well, yeah, but this um, carbohydrate deals in the body slightly differently to this type of carbohydrate. While that is steeped in fact, like things do respond differently to different people in different bodies and whatever, if we're if we're at the point, I think where we're where we're discussing the difference between these two types of carbohydrate, this person's diet is probably pretty good. Yes. So I don't think we've got that much to worry about in terms of think. Let's think on a macro level. I don't mean macronutrient level. I mean macro level, like a larger scale. Let's just focus on the bigger picture. Let's start bringing down the overall calories if this person is overweight and needs to lose some weight. But let's not take things off the table completely. Yeah. And it's um, I think to me it sounds very obvious. But I think whether in the same way that you and Kev were very clear with me about, well, this is the issue we're facing, and you put it in a language that I get, knowing my background, that I still, some of the stuff you guys can talk about would, would be, you know, super high level. So I'm not going to get all of the sports therapy master's conversation yet. Um, putting it in a conversation that the, that the client in front of you can understand is important. I think maybe, yeah, maybe maybe that's what some some trainers might be doing is, Listen, let's bring that level down to the client's standard. What do they need to know and how, do, how can you put it across? Because it's not helping people. That isn't going to help people. No, it's, it really doesn't. And um, 
yeah, I, I think I guess I think it's the fear factor, Stu. I think it's again, you know, if you, you if you make it sound so simple, well, mm. what what point? Where do I, you know, if, if weight loss is really being in calorie deficit, increasing in, in movement a little bit more, so walking upstairs rather than taking lifts, mm. well, you know, maybe I don't have a job. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's you know, but it but it is it isn't like that. No. It's as you know, it's like. You know, personal trainers will always be required. Yeah. Well, I think so. Anyway. I think so. Yeah. Um. So. Because you're not here just to, to provide that that information mm-hmm. and suddenly make yourself redundant. That's yeah. you're the you're kind of the whether it's the obligation to stay training or to stay on point with what you are eating or stay strict on certain times and not on others. And you're you're central to that whole process. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the sort of you know, there's been a lot of talk about the social interaction of exercise being you know if you're in a, in a peer group that is all exercising why would you sit outside that group of course you're going to be involved in that and you're not going to let people down and you'll be at the class or you'll be at the walk on the weekend or whatever it's going to be yeah. and how many you know we know trainers that make a massive impact in the community side of things by yeah. building that community and, and people want to be a part of that um so why would you think that by giving more information you're going to suddenly make yourself <laughs> out of business so it's, it is a very interesting subject but personal training is way more than just these are the exercises we're doing today yeah way more and also the thing is we're always going to be swimming against the tide because i think the health and fitness industry it, it it's it, it ain't great in terms of what it's what it's its message is yeah you know you only have to watch the television for x amount of time and you know you will see somebody on some sort of ab cruncher mm-hmm. you know in a before and after picture and bef- you know before they have a bit of a you know belly and then the after so they're implying that the ab cruncher reduced the yeah. <laughs> reduced that person's Science. tummy yeah. and it's just you know and on the bottom it says only works in a whether the calories yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know. and but it, the damage is already done yeah. you know obviously advertising works else companies wouldn't spend billions and billions of pounds on it obviously yeah. it works you know so i spend i probably have to debunk spot reduction probably once a week yeah you know if not you know probably more than that before i was a sports therapist when i was just working on the uh, you know on the gym floor i was explaining it you know once or twice a day mm-hmm. you know people would come up to me and say oh can you give me some better ab exercises i want to lose my beer belly or yeah. whatever and or you know the, the backs of the arms is a classic. classic. And you know gyms, gyms do tours of gyms and show people specific, um, specific um, machines to help them reduce those sizes. So they're feeding into it. Yeah. You know these gym companies and the health and fitness industry's got so much to answer for. So I think a good personal trainer who's Debunking these myths. Yeah, it's got it's got their work cut out. Yeah, but I have a job for life. Yeah, I yeah. don't think you need to worry about simplifying it because it, it's like so many things. Like the simple things in life are always the most beautiful. Yeah, you know they really are. And like if anybody knows anything about maths, you know, as far as I don't know a lot about maths, but it, maths is all about making the um, the formulas nice and simple, right? Yeah. And um and and it's the same thing. If you think about anything in your life, it's always the, the most beautiful things are the most simple. Mm. And uh, yeah, sim- simplify it. Simplify it. It's not. That's you know. It. Do you know what? I can't think of a better a better point to call it a day on this one. 
um, than, than on that bombshell. So, Claire, thank you for coming back in. Um, people are going to absolutely eat this one up. I love it. And, uh, and um, it's so good. I, I really love what you guys are doing. And I mean that. 